uh, back from vacation, first vacation in years. I wish I was still on vacation, but I'm not on vacation, and the football season is about started. So how could I go on vacation edition? We've got A.J. Hoffman in the house. In the house. Oh, I get the blues. What? what the hell? Why would it start like that? I don't know. That's a bad start. From Houston, formerly Houston Radio, plucked from obscurity. <laughs> And you know what? When you pick a guy from the choir, he better sing good. He's on full time. And I'll say this, and we're not going to do the whole bio again. Well, I guess we'll do a quick bio, but we're not going to go like, what was your motivation when you were 16? Did you listen to Paul Harvey? Well, I guess that's a little out of Well, you were ripping off Howard Stern. Yeah, right? I was ripping off Stern. Just yeah. for a long time. Yeah. But Made a career of it. Went to the Army at like 17. 17. You had four years there? Four years. And you were trying to go to paratrooper school or whatever? I did. You did? Hurt your foot? Yep. Limped around for three and a half more years? Yep. And now you got all the veterans' rights? Right. Trained a lot of people? Trained a lot of people. You say you're a marksman? Pretty solid. Could you make the shot that killed Kennedy? Ooh, which one? <laughs> you, mean from, you mean with the umbrella? You know, I was listening to Oliver Stone... The one that his wife shot? Of course I can make that shot. Whose wife? Jackie Kennedy's, O? That's right. She had a little Behringer That's two what shot? I've heard. That's what I've heard. What, why, why even say that? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't was, even know if anyone... Is that in poor taste? I don't know. Wait a minute. I, I feel like he's been dead long enough. No one can get mad about uh, jokes about that. You know what's funny? There's a time limit. Uh, yeah, the statute of limitations. Yeah, an expiration on any. You can't get mad about someone talking about a death you that know, happened that long right. ago. Right, because if you think about Lincoln, right. I mean, even like the Simpsons. You know, it was funny because I don't know if this is still the case, but we used to always start with like Plymouth Rock at the start of like fifth grade. Right, we'd go way back to 1606 or whatever, Jamestown and stuff, and then we would get creep right up to the Civil War, and the year would end. And next year, you'd be in sixth grade, and you'd start, start with Jamestown over. again. <laughs> so on the Simpsons, one, they, once they had Ralph Wiggum, Wig and he says, uh, Mrs. Krabappel, I'm worried that President K Lincoln's not going to make it. <laughs> Is he okay? Like, <laughs> it was very on point, very on point. So anyway, but here's what you need to know. I grew up across the river from West Virginia, south of Steubenville, Dean Martin, Jimmy the Greek. I think I'm third on that list in the area. Oh, Joey Galloway's in the area. So fourth. Mm. Shit. All right. Maybe one day I'll take over Joey. But Joey's nice. I didn't know him at the time. He was like a year older and lived in the town over. But he's been, uh, we got to know each other. Very nice. He was fast. Yeah. Good player. You know, his senior year in high school, Joey Galloway's team went one and nine. Oh, did not know that. Well, you tend to talk about quarterbacks like, oh, they only went three and four. He's no good. Yeah. That's pretty square. How many great quarterbacks go four and 12 in a season? <sighs> it brings up an interesting point. It's what I said about Deshaun Watson this year. Like, everybody wants to call Deshaun Watson an elite quarterback. And well, I, I said, think that's the only. But here's the question. Other than Deshaun Watson. There's none. Tom Brady didn't have a four and 12 season. Okay. But what I'm saying is either did Peyton Manning, either did Aaron Rodgers. Drew Brees. Seven and nine, two straight years. It's fine. But That's with an, any four and 12. With an all-time bad defense. So what I'm saying is that seems like the worst you can have. But, yeah, well, listen, if you look at pro football focus, Deshaun Watson, you could make the case, some have, 
had the best season last year, better than Aaron Rodgers. I don't think so. Most people don't, but it was right there. It was He had a better season than Patrick Mahomes. Just all there is to it. No, no, I'm not asking your opinion. I'm telling you. Okay. I mean, your opinion is going to be what? You're going to say a passer rating? Well, I'm saying you you – you talk about you often talk about this waiting things that happen and at what uh-huh, point in a uh-huh. game they happen. If you what count point of the game or the season, it, it, either. Uh-huh. But if you account for all the dead yards that Deshaun Watson passed for that meant nothing to the final score of the game, they were going to lose no matter what. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then sure, he piled up some some nice numbers. But but these efficiency stats really, you know, it's an interesting point. Now what we tend to do, Mackenzie, do me a favor. Let's go take it. We haven't. This is this will be the inaugural search of the season. Let's look at last year in ag in total, and let's say whenever it was ninety uh, percent between ten percent ninety percent win expectancy. So this would be if you're le- in Houston would have been less than ten a lot of the time. We're going to throw those yards out, uh, or those plays, and we're going to look at EPA expected points. Right. You familiar with that yep. concept? You're, I was going to ask you, are you reincarnated? Like, do you remember another life? I do not. Okay. Because you got a lot of old handicapping techniques. I've got duct tape shoes. Like, do, do you often, like, talk about, like, artificial turf and, like, rushing for 130 no, yards? And no, Because I, I just think when we're not— re- I, I did see a, an unabridged collection of Mark Lawrence annuals going back to, like, 84. Even when we're talking—like, if we're even when we're not talking about handicapping, you're just talking about a, a, who's a better quarterback— uh, like, what I'm just t- saying is we were talking about how good Joe Burrow was on the radio. Right. And you said, huh, he only won three games or whatever. Two games. Two games. Uh, don't and that give, was don't like, give him extra credit. That was like your trump card. That's old school. All right. I mean, you realize that, right? I do. But And you're not shy. It shows you're just going to say whatever. I'm going to say whatever. I would be a little insecure. I'm not. <laughs> That's one thing you won't, you'll find about me. I'm, I'm very rarely insecure. I, but, but maybe you should be. Maybe so. I mean, in, in a weird way, that's a sign. What, am I going to be embarrassed? You're self, you're self, you want to be self-aware. No. <laughs> no. I know what I know. I think what I think. What am I, I'm 40 years old. I've made it a you long way. No, you figure there's no more learning to there's do? no more learning to do. Oh, my God. I can imagine him, him. I mean, what? that's an interesting question. Tweet me, at RJ in Vegas. What would be, like, the three squares old school things AJ could say. I think quarterback wins might be right up on that okay. list. But you admitted that you can't find elite quarterbacks who have four and 12 seasons. They don't exist. I think that if you're in the extremes, you could make the case it's hard for a team to be you know 15 and one and win a Super Bowl with a bad quarterback. But once again, what I brought up on air instantaneously, without delay, was Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez went from starting in conference championship games to not having a job. I don't think he took another snap as a starter. Was that maybe the last snap he ever took was in a, in a conference championship game? Jared Goff, not quite that, but close. So if the positive doesn't prove they're good, does the negative prove they're bad? Mark Sanchez's career record as a starter was 37 and 36. Okay. When you're so it's dra- not like where well, he's like a, a big winner. When you're, when you're drafted like third, when you're a high draft choice, intrinsically you're going to ha- start. I mean, Troy Aikman started 0-16 and, and like 1-15. and 15. And then they, they, they like won a Super Bowl. Right? Mark, Mark Sanchez won double-digit games in a season once in his career. Mm-hmm. It's not like he was like a, a, a winning every season. Now, this is interesting. So 
Peyton Manning went three and thirteen mm-hmm. his rookie year. You would have just written him off. No. But why not? He's a rookie. And you know how many interceptions he had? A ton. I think he led the league. How would you have thought about Peyton Manning? I would have I thought. Your theory. And your theory would have been in his glory days back then. My theory would have been, Two he's got a lot ago. of growing to go. Okay. okay. But a, a rookie is different than a guy who's been in the league four or five years. But we were talking about Joe Burrow. Sure. So it's the same. Well, I, it's it's not the same because I just I think here's the other thing. Well, Pay- you can tell by your voice you're feeling a little out of sorts. No, Joe Burrow had one good college football season. Okay. And mind you, it was a great college football season, but it was one season, and suddenly he, he's the best thing in the world. Number one draft pick. Played nine games, and now all of a sudden the the Mike Sando rankings had him, what, 15, 14? I just thought that was overkill. Well, he was, well, he was in the end of group two. I think it was better than 14, wasn't it? He was... And when you're doing the calculation... 14, Sando, 14. Okay, so let me see that list. I'm going to peruse the list as we seed the ground with a little talk about Burrow, and then we'll get right into Burrow. The bigger the hands, the better, obviously. (laughs) You're talking about the difference between Russell Wilson at 10 and a half inches. I was at Russell's pro day, and I said, did you see his hands? They're ginormous. And Joe Burrow with his tiny, minuscule baby doll hands. Turns out, Joe Burrow needs to look for something else to do with his life. Okay, that was before the draft. I wouldn't say he needs to look for something else to do with his life. He's doing all right. All right, so tier one. Now, Sando polls 50 professionals that make a living from the NFL. That's in one corner. In the other corner, A.J. Hoffman. And the statistic called total QBR. Okay, that's good. <laughs> now, here's the, uh, this is the eighth year of this. Here, oh, this is interesting. We got Fezzik's rankings right here. We got the QB tiers. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, Fezzik versus San. Oh, imagine that, Big Ben. Uh-huh. Goff. Uh-huh. It's always, like with Fezzik, it's always like an overreaction. Boy, Matt Ryan, I think Fezzik's way wrong on Matt Ryan. Herbert, I think it's reasonable to question. Herbert, by the way, the highest entry point ever for a, a, you know, they don't put rookies on here. So inaugural time on the list, no, in eight years, no quarterback. So you could make the case Herbert's the most highly regarded quarterback coming off his rookie year in eight seasons, which feels about right. Yeah. All right. So we got Mahomes, Rodgers, Brady. I remember, last year, Fezzik had Brady at 19. Somehow, he's now eight. I don't know how he jumped up like that. Uh, He proved a lot of people wrong last year. Yeah. Wilson, four. Watson, five. Now, where do you think Watson should go? Josh Allen is right. I'd have Josh Allen. uh, I'd have Lamar Jackson, and I'd have Tom Brady ahead of him. Oh, Tom Brady is ahead of him. Oh, okay. I was was looking at Fezzik's ratings. Wilson, Watson. So now, Josh Allen, you have better than Watson. Absolutely. Lamar Jackson? Yes. Stafford? No. Prescott? No. Dakota Prescott? Okay. Herbert? Not yet. Okay. Matt Ryan? That one's tough. Downtown Kyler Murray? No, no. Or Little t- Kyler, some kind. He always blocked me on Twitter. Whoa, he couldn't see over you to see the Deshaun, I, I'm actually blocked by Deshaun Watson and Kyler Murray. You sure he didn't just say sit down? I, he blocked me over a short joke. How tall are you? 6'3". 
Did you buy? Did you? You sent a short joke to a professional athlete. I didn't. I didn't add him. Four, like so, at, no. at age forty. No, it was actually when he was in college. Oh, okay, okay. He was in college. I, yeah, made I mean, it. yeah. Why not do it with a kid? Like now, mind I didn't tag him. I made a joke about him. Yeah. Well, why and not joke someone, about children? Someone was added. He, him. Was he above the age of eighteen? He was over the age of eighteen. Okay. You say? Are you sure? I'm sure. I mean, listen, dude. I don't judge. The wickedest man in the world. Do you enjoy, like, does your wife, like, does she eroticize that? Absolutely. She does? She said, oh, you got blocked by Kyler Murray? Oh. <laughs> Come over here, baby. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> All, everything's now, open. Now, do Baker Mayfield. Do Baker Mayfield next. Do it. That's actually kind of funny. What was that accent? Uh, that was my wife talking to me. I don't know. I, I didn't do an your accent. Wife, your wife talks like she's like. No, I wasn't doing English an accent. I was second, just saying it was like her. English is her second language from like. She said, 50s. "Do it, do Mayfield." That was that was her excited voice. It sounded, you know what that did sound like. It sounded like a little guy that was like five foot two, say, like saying, "Do it, go fight." You know, it sounded like the "do it" sounded like a little guy that's hunched over, like looking up, saying shit. Okay. And but that's your wife. I guess that yeah, and my. Is that wife. how you think of her? That's how I think of her. Is a small person with a hunchback looking to start a fight. Uh, 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 acid flashback, acid, acid trip, or uh, uh, uh. <laughs> all right. Listen, dude. At least you're getting the honesty out right away. So the question is, where do you think Burrow should be? All right. So I thought you had. In fact, here's what I'm going to do. Impromptu. We're going to slide in your take from today on Straight Out of Vegas. It was your best. I mean, there were some lows these three days. That was a pinnacle. I. For the first time, I felt comfortable about this. <laughs> no, but it was good. So let's listen to that, and then we'll add to it. Here it is. There was a ranking that came out from Mike Sando, who does it every single year covering the NFL. Joe Burrow in Tier 2. And then this also comes before some of the rumors at training camp are that Joe Burrow still is having issues with that knee, not totally trusting it coming off that surgery last season. A.J. Hoffman. Yeah, here's the here's the quote from Bengals training camp today. Joe Burrow, it's just not good right now. Throws that felt like layups last year are dropping harmlessly away from receivers or easily broken up by multiple defenders. There might be a multitude of reasons for the struggles, but this has been ugly. It makes you wonder if the knee is still in his head. So to me, Joe Burrow, who played half a season last year and went two and seven, and then had one good college football, albeit a fantastic college football season. He was 24th in the league in QBR, which we agree is the best QB stat that you that you can uh, yeah, catch all QB stat. stat. He, he was right there with Jared Goff, Andy Dalton, Tua, and Gardner Minshew. Yet nobody talks about any of those other guys as like guys who are on the right. None of those other guys blew out their ACL last year. So we're taking a guy who was 24th in the league in QBR, blew out his ACL. We don't have any any previous track record of him yet for some reason name brand we're saying this guy is a tier two quarterback i just think that's absurd do you have a list of the other tier twos right in front of you i don't i can probably get it pulled yeah, up pull McKin mckenzie get that pulled up for me please i tell you this though jonas you see why aj was a was a, a, a <laughs> i plucked him out of obscurity do you see now that that was good and i agree oh. with him Oh, so that, here we go. Burrow's 14. The uh, the other guys uh, in, in Tier 2 are Kyler Murray, Matt Ryan, Justin Herbert, Matt Stafford, Josh Allen, and Lamar Jackson. He does not belong in the group with Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. It's absurd. I'm not sure Kyler Murray does either, but that's a different segue. I'm not sure segue. either. That's different. Yeah. Uh, but I will say this. It's a good segue to Josh Allen because if you look at Josh Allen – 
he had multiple years, three, uh, I guess it'd be three years, in which he was not all that good. And then last year, so let's say, was last year his third or fourth year? Last year was year three for Josh Exactly. So his first two were not good to the point of, like, almost like Mr. Daniel Jones right now. Like, if he plays well, he'll keep his job. If he doesn't, he won't. That was where Josh Allen was. I I, I don't think so. I think year one was bad. Year two, he he threw 20 Uh, touchdowns, had nine picks. He was solid, not uh, great. I'm telling you, the narrative was, I mean, do you really think that the year two of Josh Allen versus year two of Daniel Jones was very comparable? Well, Josh Allen, won, he won 10 games, so that, well, that kind of makes a big AJ, difference. AJ, I know you're not super sharp, but do you really think quarterback wins or, or correlate? I mean, under that theory, Mark Sanchez should be in the Hall of Fame. I'm saying if Josh Allen and Daniel Jones switched teams, do you think the Bills would have won 10 games with Daniel Jones? I'd, I'd, I I'd make a hefty bet Bills, that they wouldn't. I think the way Josh Allen played in his second year was very comparable to the way Daniel Jones played in his second year. And then what we got in their third year, now we're going to see with Daniel Jones, but what we got out of Josh Allen was an all-time year. So the question is, if the most recent year is the only one that matters – does that change in a way that if we go and say, well, let's look at Russell Wilson. Let's look at the second half of last year and how well did he play? And everyone's going to say, well, you know, it's just half a year. And before that, for years, he was good. Okay. Well, before last year, Josh Allen was bad. So as much as we're all celebrating Josh Allen, you got to wonder, are we sure how good he is? Because he's had one good year. And before that, his job was on the line. And if one year counts, then why isn't Russell Wilson's half year like cause for huge concern? Jonas, same thoughts. Uh, no, I mean, I just I think Josh Allen is trending in the right direction as far for as sure. the Joe as far as the Joe Burrow stuff goes. Uh, look, it's one thing to say this guy's got the potential to take that next step and he could be a tier two quarterback, but it, to AJ's point, that was a massive knee injury, and I think there's a lot more questions than answers. And the fact, and we got to wrap, is the fact that. Off the knee injury, the reports from camp are really bad. Yeah. That is a concerning sign. Well said. I mean, again, well said. I'm, I'm a professional. <sighs> What's that sign mean? I got a lot of school. I mean, I will say this. I've looked, as Dylan would say, searching high, searching low, searching everywhere I know, asking the cops wherever I go. I've been looking for good on-air talent. It's not quite how the song goes. But. Boy, I feel really good. I actually booked with McKenzie that you would make a Dylan reference, minus 180, and that, that cash is yeah. 20 minutes in. Yeah. And, and Cha-ching. I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's probably foundational <laughs> for me. It should, you know, again, you could learn. You could use a dose of dough. Okay. Okay, time shift, time shift. All right, you heard a a couple minutes here to start. That was real. Now we're about an hour and a half later. What happened in that time? (sighs) Theater of the mind. Theater of the mind, we'll call it, (laughs) whatever that means. It was great, but it was a little off topic. And we're going to give you a bonus pod. It will be out tomorrow, same time. So late Thursday, early Friday. And it will be about an hour with just me and AJ into the meat of things. And you got a UFC best bet, right? I've got two best bets, actually, for two. the UFC on Saturday. UFC 265. AJ's here. Double pods this week. Fezzik, Hitman, Esler. If you're complaining, you're barking up the wrong tree. Here we go. Let's start with Fezzik and AJ. Steve Fezzik. 
pregame.com joins us for the uh, the pregame podcast here, the Dream Preview, and lots to get into. Steve, let's start with the Olympics, uh, the men's basketball, the knockout round. What what it, what what did you take away? from this round, the quarterfinals of the Olympics? So two takeaways. The double elimination games equates in many ways to like a game seven. Mackenzie's done great research. Maybe you can pull this up while I speak, Mackenzie, about game seven unders in the NBA. And we certainly saw that with the knockout round uh, in the men's side. We saw unders go 4-0. And many of them went way under. On the women's side, it was uh, two and two, but one of the games went over by half a game. So if you combine them together, six and two on the men's side, four and oh to the under. And the second observation I would make is, wow, the USA and has become an ultra public team. Quite a contrast to their first round shocking loss to France. Here's a team that's now three and one straight up three and one against the spread. Kevin Durant with the mm, meaningless dunk at the buzzer. USA opened 12 against Spain. They closed 14. The game lands 14, a disaster for the books because, you know, the public was just betting on the U.S. So going into the semifinals, I would expect that anyone who bet the U.S. in the quarterfinals and cast their ticket is going to come right back and bet the U.S. again and eerily similar with the point spread because now USA in the semifinals, laying 12 against Australia, the same number they were laying at the opener against Spain. One of the things that surprised me when they when they put out these lines was the USA went from being a, a minus 200 favorite to a or a minus 300 favorite to a minus 200 favorite uh, to, to win the gold medal when they got locked up with Spain. Spain went from 12 to 1 to 22 to 1. It's rare, it seems, that you see both teams' odds get longer when they're matched up together, USA obviously advances. Now they go from 200 back to 400. So they're, they're getting to be pricey again. Do you think we've missed the real value with Team USA at this point? I don't know if there ever really was value on Team USA. But I guess in, in retrospect, you can say, well, you know, they were a 14-point favorite at post. And given that they should win about 90% of the time, I think that's what an NBA 14-point favorite does. There'd be a little more volatility. But if you were going to bet the USA, certainly minus 200 does look to have been attractive and would have been superior to laying 14 in that game. It's a real good point you bring up in terms of, wait a minute, how can the odds for both teams be worse in terms of the USA and Spain? I think this is an example, almost like a tennis draw, where you've got like in the quarterfinals, number one player has to play like the number four player or the number five player. And it's bad for both of them, because typically if I'm the fifth best team, I'd expect to play the fourth best team, not number one. And if I'm the number one team, I'd expect to get a number eight, not a number five team. So I think this was a case of both teams got screwed in the quarterfinal draw. McKenzie, those those game seven numbers that Fez was talking about earlier in the NBA, what do you have on that? 62% of the time, the game goes under, and those games are already priced or six points lower than game one line. So the market adjusts, but not enough. 62% unders historically in game sevens. So think about this, AJ. You've got the odds makers are well aware, hey, the teams are going to be tight. This is going to be a lower scoring game. They adjust six points downward from game one. Not nearly enough. The game sevens still go under the total. All right, we're going to kick into NBA here. Big news this week with the NBA. A lot of free agency moves going on, but obviously the Lakers were, were sort of the biggest movers and shakers. Russell Westbrook, the tra that trade's a, a huge deal. And 
we expected there would be a lot of movement around it, a lot of veterans, a lot of guys willing to take less money to come play with LeBron and Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook, and that's already starting to happen. Malik Monk, Carmelo Anthony, Kendrick Nunn took apparently much less than he was offered by the Knicks to come play with, with LeBron, and he's never even gotten a big payday. You're talking about an undrafted free agent who could have made big bucks and was like, no, nah, I'll, I'll play with LeBron. How do we see this changing the outlook for the Lakers? What do you see this? Uh, what effect do you see this having? You know, it's fascinating because one could even make the case: Did the Lakers even get better? Now, I do think that they got better. I think Westbrook improves the team. And bottom line is, we see this with football free agency: If you can get a player at a discount, that player, like none, who's a good player, is you know worth you know over ten million dollars a year, and you're getting to pay him less than that. Now, all of a sudden, your team's going to be better because of the whole salary cap and everything else. So I have to upgrade the Lakers. Now, here's the tricky part. In the NBA futures, most pros don't bet the futures very often because there's so little value. There's so much implied vig. So it's easy to go in and take a snapshot and say, hey, the Lakers were 5-1. to one. Then they go to 4-1. to one. All right, they got a little bit better. They're 20% better in terms of the futures odds. But the truth is... No one wanted to bet the Lakers at 5-1. to one. That was kind of a sucker bet before all this happened, uh, unless you had the prudence to anticipate you know, this sort of news was going to happen and these acquisitions would happen. So to just quantify the Lakers' change from 5-1 to one to 4-1, to one, I'm not comfortable with that market um, putting a bow on how much better the Lakers are. I'd much prefer a season win number. And those aren't out. And they're not out, exactly, because that really is the barometer. That's almost like the stock valuation of a team. Now, I get it. You can make a case the NBA is weird. The home court doesn't mean that much. And so you do have situations where the team that's supposed to get the one seed isn't necessarily the best team. We would expect Denver would play hard all year long, by example, but we would never have Denver favored against the Lakers in a playoff series. So... Maybe the NFL is better when to value teams based upon their season win number, but I still would have loved for there to be season win numbers to look at. One cool prop I did see at one book, will the Lakers finish top three in the West? Let me ask you, do you think that that's likely? And if so, how likely? That seems, I would say, highly likely. I would say that's probably I mean, that's going to going to happen 70 percent of the time would be my guess. Yeah, my it was my take as well. And the yes was minus 155. So I thought yes was looked favorable. Top three. I mean, the Clippers without Kawhi. I mean, I'm sure you're going to have maybe Phoenix, maybe Denver has a really, um, you know, great year, but only top three. And so they'll be motivated, you know, to be a top three and to get a good seed and a better draw. The only problem I have with this book, I love it's a credit book. And I love betting on credit books because I don't have to tie up my money. But the problem, it's a new credit book I got. And the problem with new credit books is that oftentimes they become X credit books soon enough where I'll get kicked out for other bets I'm making. And then what might happen um, half the way through the NBA season, they tell me, oh, we don't want your action anymore. And all your futures bets were voiding unless that bet's losing. And then, oh, yeah, you got, you still got action on that. Now, is this the kind of bet that you like enough that maybe, and obviously you're a guy with a lot of outs, maybe you make this bet, if you hammer this one bet, you don't bet anything else with these guys until that bet clears through, and then you, may, you decide if you're going to be able to play with them again or not. No, because it'd be a $500 limit, and no. I would expect I'd make 10 times that amount bef long before this bet resolves. So, I, I so you sit on it. your hands here. I sit on my hands. Long story short, 
Yes, but if I had to bet it, I agree with your 70% that the minus 55 looks good for Lakers' top three West. Now, this doesn't happen to normal people. This happens to Fezzik. Normal people, we're not getting kicked out of books. McKenzie and I aren't getting kicked out of books. They invite me back in. Why'd you leave so early? <laughs> you know, actually, I'm not so sure. McKenzie's being funny, um, and he is funny, uh, but I'm not so sure that's true. McKenzie, I would say over under books you've been kicked out of, I would have put it at, I'd put it one and a half for the past year. Am I wrong? You're wrong. Zero. Really? Take my money and run. We got to work more together more. I, I think it's you're you're the recognizable face around here. You know, I'll, I'll say it. I'm a new guy. No I'll, one knows me. I'll say this to the new guy, and you may be surprised by that. Any accounts that you want to like like share with me or with any of my associates, we would like give you a free roll. We'd give you twenty percent of the profits with no um, no downside. You can't lose. That sounds like a win I, to me. I, I assure you, you'll win. Now, here's the thing: you'll come back at the end of the year and say, "Well, thanks a lot. I got, you know, I, now I don't have any books to play at anymore because I, I got kicked out of all of them." So that's the negative: is that like a blackjack card counter? That if you can swoop in on an account and just beat up on them when the Colts have the Carson Wentz news, for instance, and boom, the second it happens, and you're betting Colts under ten wins, books don't like that very much. Getting into the NFL, the the news of the week in the NFL it revolves around the Indianapolis Colts, who lose Carson Wentz for five to twelve weeks, which seems like a broad range. Okay, then the next day it's announced. Well, now they've lost their their best player, Quentin Nelson, five to twelve weeks with the exact same injury. I would ask you, what are the odds that two guys get the exact same injury? But we'll we'll leave that for a different day. But what does this do to the Colts in your mind for the season? Uh, obviously, they go from 9.7 wins. Now they're down to 9, I think even touching 8.9. So what's are we still at a number where you think the Colts fall below this? Yes, I do. And who knew that broken bones were a contagious thing? Maybe we'll have to start wearing masks on our, on our feet to keep that from happening. Um the most important injury is the quarterback injury. Quarterback's king in the NFL, and I don't have any non-quarterbacks valued at more than one point. As far as you know, an elite offensive lineman, I would say worth three quarters of a point. So um, let's go ahead and call him a point because it'll make it easier to do the math. That's rounding up. Sure. So if he's out the entire year, that's worth 17 points. 35 points is worth the win. As it turns out, I, it's counterintuitive. You think, oh, I get an extra 35 points, I'm going to win three more games. It's only worth one win to, um, to to outscore your opponents on average by 35. So that would be half a win if he's out half the year. That's a quarter win for the lineman. Um, much bigger deal with the quarterback, Jacob Eason, a well below average starting quarterback. He'd be the worst starting quarterback in the league. A significantly below average backup quarterback. So that's worth about almost two and a half wins if the Colts had to go with him. And that means the Colts number, which was 9.7, would be 7.2 with Jacob Eason if he had to quarterback the entire year, which, of course, is extremely unlikely. Now, here's my concern because I had this thought as well of, of betting the, the, the Colts under win total. And then yesterday I hear Phillip Rivers say, I'm open to coming back and playing in the NFL. Phillip Rivers, where did he play last year? Indianapolis Colts. Played pretty well last year. And it's a guy who could kind of slide right back in and honestly may be better than Carson Wentz would have been. And then if so, if Phillip Rivers comes in and does that, now all of a sudden we've got egg on our face for liking the Colts under win total, right? Absolutely. You know what's interesting about that is Phillip Rivers didn't say, I'd be open to coming back to the Colts. He said, I'd be open to coming back. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He retired. 
he was not open to coming back at all. But now he's open to come back just generically as opposed to Nick Foles. That's like, please, you know, <laughs> you know where I want to go. Um, uh, well, I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence that the day after they say Carson Wentz is out five to 12 weeks, Philip Rivers says, eh, I, I, maybe I still got a little left in me. Well, you look at the roster and one of the best rosters in the NFL. It's a really good landing spot for a slightly below average quarterback. You're right, though. Carson Wentz, Philip Rivers throw a blanket over them. They're pretty much equivalent quarterbacks. We could have egg on our face if that does indeed happen. And you got to wonder, Philip Rivers, you know, coaching football with his 18 kids at home or whatever it is, eh, maybe he's getting a little bit um, antsy. But that that's true. That absolutely would train wreck a fantastic bet if he did go back. And this is going to be your best bet today? Yes. Now, salary cap-wise, though, Philip Rivers was getting paid, you know, $20 million plus a year. How the heck is that? Could they possibly afford to bring him back? Well, Car- I mean, Philip Rivers may look at it as saying, "Well, I'm getting paid this much to coach my son's football team, <laughs> versus I can get paid this much to play for the Colts. Less than I made last year, still pretty good money." That's a good point. And like you said, he's got 18 kids. He's got mouths to feed. <laughs> you know how that is. So your best bet under nine wins is what you're going to go with here. Yes, I'm going under nine. Got a lay minus 120 that's currently available at Circa, and this is really a case where. If Philip Rivers came back, hey, I've got a bet that's probably going to win only half the time. Um, obviously, Philip Rivers, I still think, is a long shot. What'd you, what would you put at that, 10% that it would be Rivers? I, I would say after he came out and said something, I'd put it at 20%. We do have odds from um, Colts Week 1 QB who's going to be the starter. And what, what are the odds there? Jacob Eason, the backup, is the favorite, minus 130. Nick Foles is plus 250. Philip Rivers plus 350. Falls off a cliff from there. You know, your 20% looks real good when you see a plus 350. So that's that's spot on. So I would say there's a 20% chance that their total should be nine. And I have a coin flip bet. And I have 80% chance that their total should be more like eight. Um, so that would put it at 8.2, which would I'm perfectly comfortable with going under nine. Sam Ellinger there at plus 650. He's actually on the roster. That's got to feel real good for him. <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, I, I, I just don't know if the Col- a team like the Colts who... Before this news, they were expected to, at a minimum, be head-to-head with the Titans to contend in that division, which is one of those divisions that it's haves and have-nots. The Texans are bad. The Jags are bad. We expect the Jags to improve. But for whatever the Jags improve, I expect the Texans to be worse. So it's really a two-horse race there. You'd think that the Colts would go out of their way to make sure that they're not starting a Jacob Eason or a Sam Ellinger week one of a season, especially if it's going to be 12 weeks. If if the five, if it's closer to the five than the 12 and Carson Wentz is going to be ready week two, week three, maybe you ride it out for those first couple weeks and you don't feel the need to go out and get a Phillip Rivers. But if you start to look at it and it's, it's trending towards that 12 and you're talking about missing seven, eight weeks of the regular season, to me, the Colts are a good enough team that it makes sense to go outside the organization and, and get yourself a, a real quarterback. And honestly, I'd say a real quarterback that's better than Nick Foles would be my goal if I were the Colts. You know, I think you're bringing up a great point where look at their division. If they were the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson was injured, you can be like, they're done. Christ, you know, we, we, we got no easy games and we're done. Exactly. So let's not compromise um, anything we do. Let's not panic. But almost like National League East and baseball, it's like there's nobody good. Jagram's injured. If I'm the Phillies and I can play 500 baseball, I can win this division. And the Colts have to say, you know, and and they're probably savvy enough to say, you know what? These Titans, they're sexy, 
but they're not that good. They don't have a good defense, and Derrick Henry at some point is going to break down. You know what? Nine and eight could win this division. And that's a terrifying thing, and, and we've seen the, the odds flip between the Titans and the Colts for who's favored in that division. We're a Derrick Henry injury away from them flipping once again. I mean, if, if Derrick Henry's not playing with the Titans, then – are you betting them to win the, the division? I'm sure. I'm certainly not. Well, I was going through my progressions because the news breaks about Wentz. I'm like, all right, I'm going to play under 10. And then normally I go, boom, immediately. Hey, this is a division. Houston, like you mentioned, four wins. Jacksonville over under six and a half. I should play in a two-team um, contender division. If one of them just got um, uh, hit with a torpedo, I play the other team to win the division. But I don't like the Titans. So I didn't want to play that. Similarly, I didn't want to play the Colts to miss the playoffs because it's like, they could still win the division going 8-9, and nine, it's possible. Well, while we're on your the, the topic of your best bets, let's go back a couple weeks where you said the U.S. under 46.5 goals. It's looking pretty good right now. Yeah, latest projection, U.S. to get eh, around 40. It's been a disappointing Olympics for the U.S. And it's really, all, I think, all about venue primarily. I don't think COVID helped, and they got to Japan late because of the restrictions. But the bottom line is the U.S. has struggled in bad venues, specifically when they had to go to China, Australia, and I counted Greece as a bad venue. Maybe that was a little bit of a reach. In those three bad venues, the U.S. has averaged around 36 gold medals. In the good venues at home, in the same time zone in Rio, and in the U.K., the, the U.S. was right around this 46 number. So the bad venue, I think, has a lot to say with why the U.S. is not winning some of these goals that they were supposed to. And you've got a best bet. This, this may be a first. You've got a best bet for four years or three years down the road from now. Yes, and the... Uh, Olympics are going to be in France. I don't know if they're going to call it France 2023. I mean, this whole Tokyo 2020 throws me off. But the uh, initially I said to myself, all right, so what am I going to do looking ahead for the U.S.? I'm like, France, is that a good or a bad venue? It's like, oh, it's about, you know, six time zones away. And it's um, it's not it's not as good as the U.K., but it's not that bad. And I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm getting I'm approaching this all wrong. Why am I trying to bet the U.S. golds? China's currently projected to either be one or two in, in gold medals. They were only supposed to get like 36 gold, so they're massively overachieving. Of course they are. They're right next door, close by to Japan, similar cultures, etc. They'll probably be upset that I said that, but similar compared to my culture. And all of a sudden, they've got to go to France, other side of the world. I think we're going to look to play China to go under with their medal count 2024, three years from now. Especially if they continue to have success this year. Their number gets pushed up. Exactly. And, yeah. Let's get into NFL preseason. The the numbers are, are, are out there. You love betting NFL preseason. I do, and I'm not alone. And I really want to emphasize when you ask people about preseason, should you bet preseason? Seriously. There are some perfectly acceptable answers. One is, you know what? I'm busy with other things. I'm getting ready for the regular season. I don't bet preseason. That's perfectly acceptable. Also saying, I really love preseason, I bet it a lot, that's great as well. It's not a degenerate thing at all. When people say, no, don't bet preseason, you can't beat it, that is not acceptable. That is the wrong answer. And I assure you, if you took a job at a sports book and you had to book the preseason for a year, you would change your opinion and you'd say, I hate this freaking preseason because it's so difficult to price. The quarterback rotations, the coach motivation, the situations and the like make it such that you will see line moves of seven points in the preseason. You will never see that in the NFL regular season unless, of course, a quarterback slips on his bathroom floor the night before a game. You know, it's, it's injury-related. 
possibly week 17 of the NFL season. You'll see that as well because a team rests everybody. But in the preseason, you see drastic line moves. And so I can make a case that absolutely, if you focus on the preseason, you can have a lot of wins. Now, some syndicates don't even bother the reason low limits. Walk up, ask for $5,000 on NFL side. No problem at most books. Ask for it in the preseason. Almost every book, unless you're um, Charles Barkley, will look at you like you're from Mars. What are, what are typically the limits there on a preseason game? Thousand, okay. maybe two thousand. Well, uh, you, you've got some interesting numbers here about first-year head coaches in their first home games. Yes, and this trend makes sense. Um, shout out to uh, Bernie Frado. Bernie gave me this one. So if you take a brand new head coach and he's playing his first home game in August, twenty-one and six against the spread, and why should this win? Well, I got a new head coach, and he doesn't know that preseason's just complete nonsense. He wants to win. He wants to show, hey, I know what I'm doing. I've got some acumen at this. And usually brand-new head coaches are coaching teams that weren't very good last year, trying to get fan interest, fan base, sell some tickets back, and they're more motivated for the organization to actually put up a W. So this one makes sense to me, and there's four qualifiers this week. So if you're going to bet this angle, again, 21-6, and brand-new head coach at home, first home preseason game. Uh, you're going to bet on Philadelphia hosting Pittsburgh. This is Thursday, August 12th. Detroit Lions hosting Buffalo Friday, August 13th. And then on Saturday, August 14th, Jacksonville Jaguars, Urban Meyer hosting Cleveland. That was the Hitman's best bet last week, by the way. Jaguars plus three. I don't think that plus three is going to be around very much longer. So you would be on Jacksonville as well. And I missed one. Um, uh, let me see, uh, Philly on Thursday hosting Pittsburgh, um, Philadelphia as a one-point favorite. So normally as, as the preseason goes on, we see that week three is the most like a, a regular season game. Week four is almost a total. It, it, it's basically nobody who's going to make the team is playing. As, as a pro, is it is it is there an order of this game's easier to bet than this game? How's it work for you guys? Yes. And so, by the way, preseason format change. And by the way, the Hall of Fame week is week zero. That's not week one. So we call that week zero. Uh, no week four in preseason this year. So really weird year. They um, they just deleted it. It's a bye yeah. week for everybody after the third week of preseason this year. Um, historically, I think I make my most bets week two of the preseason. A lot of times I love taking a motivated 0-1 team, lost their first game on the road, against a 1-0 and team because the home field isn't worth very much in preseason and no team wants to go withless in the preseason. So you drop your first game, all of a sudden you say, you know, we're going to a little extra effort to win the second game. You win your first game, you know you're not going to go winless, and frankly you're under no pressure as the coaching staff and the likes of that second game that's been a trend that I've often liked to back is the 0-1 road team catching points at the one and a home team. Now I wonder if week two now becomes week three. If week three, if week two is going to be the the game where we see basically this is what we expect our starting lineup to be in week one of the regular season versus it used to be week three. It's a fascinating question, and that we're going to have to follow. A lot of unknown because I think week three is still going to be week three because hey, I've got a bye week the following week. 
may as I don't want my guys to be rusty. I don't want to have a two week, uh, I guess week three and then the bye week off. So I think we're going to see actually week three play out similar to what we saw in previous years, and uh, we might see week one actually have a little more in terms of um, teams looking to get up to speed just because they only have three preseason games instead of four. And the totals, the the average total dealt is 36. So you like the overs early in the preseason. Yeah, so so let me – this is week one of preseason. I consider the Hall of Fame game the exhibition season. So okay. that's a totally different animal. So the week after – if you look at the totals, the odds makers have gotten it wrong. They looked at the 10-year data and like and said, you know what? Week one preseason, really low scoring. And they set the total on average at 36 in week one of the preseason. And at what happened, no preseason last year, 2018, 2019, we saw scoring, scoring, scoring. How much scoring? If you bet every game over, you went 19 and 11 against the spread. Average amount of scoring, 41.75, almost 42 points in those games with an average total of 36. And the odds makers haven't adjusted at all. If you look at this year's numbers, that average total is right around 36 again for the week one preseason games. So if you're betting totals, if you like some overs, I would bet them selectively now. I would not touch any unders. I think we're going to see all these numbers, these totals on these games slowly leak upwards over the next week. A couple of your games that you mentioned earlier, the Pittsburgh at Philly game and the Tennessee at Atlanta game, Philly minus one, Atlanta plus one. Tell me why in the preseason, I know it doesn't typically make sense in the regular season, you don't get the value to buying off of or uh, a one Tell people why it makes a little bit more sense in the preseason. Yeah, exactly right. So these are our new coaches um, at home, Philly and Atlanta, both uh, lined on the one. At the end of the game, if you're down 20 to 13 and you drive down score, the memo is out. You go for two. For whatever reason, the all these NFL coaches, they've scripted out who's going to play when, and they don't want that question mark of who I got to play in overtime. So they will go for two every single time there. And because of that, the valuation, the occurrence of the number one is so much higher than what we see during the regular season, such that um, enough outcomes land one, it is actually correct for 10 cents to buy on or off the one in the NFL. Similarly, I would never have any problem laying like two or two and a half in the regular season. I want no part laying two, two and a half in a preseason game, because if I'm up seven or down seven at the end of the game and and that score happens, I'm dead. I am drawing dead to my bet minus two and a half. And before the NFL kicks off, we get CFL Hamilton minus three and a half at Winnipeg. Uh, total 51 and a half. That's the, uh, that's the first game of the season. You love betting the CFL as well. Yes, and I've got to be clear here. You know what? It's all I can do to focus on the the teams that I'm focusing on and the big in college I'll be my focus will be on one conference the Big 10. I don't have time to actively follow the CFL, but I got friends and I in fact I got a friend from Canada that follows this stuff religiously. And the CFL is very similar to preseason football. The limits are lower. There are advantages absolutely and you look at how how much we talk about just uh, a quarterback tweaks an injury. And all of a sudden, oh, um, Stafford, you know, he hit his, his thumb on a helmet, you know, and everybody knows about it. the CFL. This is under the radar, a lot of this stuff. So real big advantages to play CFL. I will say this, 
I hate to originate because I don't like originating in the CFL. I like to fo- you know follow and talk to my guys. But the opening total was 52, and that sure seems like a high total to me for a league that didn't play last year. So I would expect a whole lot of rust for these teams. And because of that, you know, I think the under 52, uh, I think it's 51 and a half you can get right now. That certainly would be the uh, what what I would look to to play on the total. Um, one more possible topic I didn't have. Yeah. Specialization. Should we talk about because you, your guy, who does all the the college football teams, correct? Mm-hmm. Do you specialize in any conferences? No. 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 I, I mean, as as the season goes on, I'll I'll track where I'm having success and I'll I'll lock in a little bit more on that. But typically, it's like typically I'm I'm looking at the MAC and and nonsense conferences, Mountain West, where I could find looser lines. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the MAC, and I want to ask you about this. I consider the MAC to be a far superior conference to follow than the Sun Belt, and here's why: the MAC always has those crazy. It's MAC night um, Wednesday night, mm-hmm. late in the year, so you have a standalone game. So not only um, can I bet the side, the total, the normal, the first quarters, etc., et but I've got some prop bets, and I have live wagering on those games because it's on ESPN. Yeah. So now because of that, with a bigger betting menu, you're not going to see that on a typical Louisiana Monroe game or Louisiana Lafayette game and and the like and North Texas. So I think if you had to choose, I want to go ahead and follow the Mac and not the the Sun Belt closely. I think it kind of depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking to play a lot of props and stuff like that, that's the way to go. But typically because it is a standalone game, those lines tend to be a little bit sharper than a random Sun Belt or Mountain West game that's happening in the middle of a huge Saturday card where there's, you know, 40 other games going on with power conferences and stuff like that. Those games are buried at the bottom of the card. You know, that is a a great point. So you've got a side and a total that's much sharper. It's been polished up by all the betters. So I I might discourage betting the side or total compared to the Sun Belt, but encourage you to live wager it and have other opportunities there. Because there's going to be a lot more of a handle on a a Wednesday night Maction game than there will be on a Saturday Mac game. So whichever Mac game doesn't – so there's always that one Mac game. Let's say it's Buffalo and Akron on Wednesday night. The handle on that will be higher than any Saturday Mac handle because it's a standalone game. People want something to bet on Wednesday night. They're looking to play. And not a lot of public. Sometimes a big handle is good because we can fade the public. I don't think there's like a lot of ultra public Mac teams. There's not out there anymore. Um, no, it m- almost might be anti. You know, I, I want to bet against Akron maybe, but you know that's. I think Bowling Green <laughs> last year became public because they were so bad. It was bet against Bowling Green was was kind of the the go to. And what it changed? You know, the one t- you mentioned Bowling Green because I might have used the ex- the example. The guy, I can't remember the guy. There was the Bowling Green was pick him against Wisconsin like 15 years ago, and they had a quarterback. His name began with an O, and I can't remember that. Um, he was an NFL prospect, but um, they, some of these programs and these conferences, um, they can go up and down. Oh, Power yeah. rating-wise, like 25 points. Um, Alan Boston's a gifted college basketball um, professional better, and he always had a theory, you know, college basketball teams find their level that when, you know, you get certain teams like Miami of Ohio, they always stay at about the same level. That does not seem to be the case not the in the case MAC. At all. Not the case at all. And they, they, their coaches get poached. That's a big part of why. Buffalo can't keep a coach every time they get good. Someone takes away their coach. They've got to start all the way over. Spot on. All right, let's go to Dave Essler. He's got to play on Dolphins-Patriots week one. Yeah, NFL week one, I love and bet the Dolphins-Patriots under 45 and a half points. 
in spite of New England's struggles last season and being without Hightower and Chung, Patriots were the eighth-best scoring defense in the NFL. The Dolphins were the fourth-best scoring defense in spite of allowing 56 points to the Bills in Week 17. Fast forward, Hightower's back. Chung retires. He's replaced by Adrian Phillips, a former Pro Bowler. Kyle Vannoy comes back from Miami, two years removed from being the Patriots' leading tackler. The Patriots also add two-time Pro Bowler Matt Juden, all to go against Tua, who has all of nine NFL starts. The Patriots' offense was a non-factor last year, and they're not making a quantum leap anytime soon. Outwardly, Newton is all about T-E-A-M. Inwardly, he's all about Cam Newton and his next contract. Mac Jones isn't ready. And although I love the kid in Tuscaloosa, there were five other players from that offense drafted in the first round. These coaches know each other's tendencies. But with limited preseason reps, it'll be hard in week one to break them with any regularity. Both defenses will again be elite. Both offenses will have too many new parts to gel in week one. Dolphins, Patriots, under 45 and a half points. All right, let's get out to the hit, man. He's got a preseason week one best bet on Jaguars-Browns. Best bet, Jags plus three preseason against Cleveland. The Jags, they're one of my bet on teams this preseason, mainly because of a solid quarterback rotation that includes a rookie in Trevor Lawrence that the Jags likely wanted to get reps and one of the league's top backups in Gardner Minshew. The Browns do have a solid backup in Case Keenum, but they don't have the motivation to play Baker Mayfield and their starters much. With Jacksonville having the QB rotation edge, I just can't see how Cleveland is favored on the road against Jacksonville. And I like it all the way down to Jags plus one and a half. Okay, time shift, time shift. What are you? Are you like Weird Al Yankovic? Is it, uh, who's yeah. your main, musically, who's your main? I actually have a Weird Al tattoo. <laughs> no, no, no. Sincerity is what we're going for here. Who do you like musically? Uh, you don't I, know? I mean, I like a lot. You want to ask your wife? I like lots of stuff musically. I like Dylan, but I'm like no, 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 I, I probably. You, but like, you have like, is there someone you would f- drive to LA to see? Like my favorite car? band of all time. Is that yeah. what we're talking yeah, about? It's yeah. Zeppelin. Well, that's good. I, I actually respect that. Okay, I can deal with that. I can deal with that quite well. Okay, and that's it. No, I like the Stones. I like the I like the Beatles. Uh, I like, you, but you're not reincarnated. I'm not reincarnated. Are you sure? I like some younger band. I like. I mean, I say younger band. I like Metallica. I think Metallica's well, a great yeah. band. I mean, you know, it's only been 40 years since they started. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will admit this. It was up until a couple of years ago. I'd say, yeah, I like newer music, Nirvana. I like Taylor a Swift. A couple years ago, you like her music? I like her music, What's, yeah. your, fa- what's your favorite three songs? Uh, I like Mean. Um, I like... Uh, Trouble's got to be in there. Tr- I'm sorry. Trouble's up there. there. Hold on a second. I like Blank McKenzie? Space. Mackenzie? Yes. Why do you think I asked him this question? Because he didn't think I knew three Taylor Swift songs. So do you see how you interjecting your thoughts on Taylor Swift doesn't work? I do. Love it. Five-minute suspension. Gotcha. Go ahead. <laughs> My, uh, I like Blank Space. I like uh, we, we Shake It Off. I like Shake It Off. I like the Obama. hits. I like the hits. Yeah, not a lot of deep cuts there. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm, I, like the, uh, I like the pop. I like so the, uh, second, the Taylor Swift pop. So your favorite band that started since Chuck Noll became the coach of the Steelers. <laughs> yeah. And then I like Taylor Swift. Is Taylor Swift. Yeah. Who's number one? Oof. I didn't know that she was my second, but she might be my favorite. And you know four songs? No, I know a lot of songs. Bad Blood. I, like, I'm a legit Taylor Swift fan. Do you know any Taylor Swift that didn't chart? Uh, 
15 style. Are these song do, names? Yeah, those are song names. Do you know any Taylor Swift that didn't chart? No. So no, I've, 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 I've do you like Taylor Swift very, music? You find it catchy. I don't think I've ever heard a song of hers. But what? I don't think I have. That's impossible. No, it's not. It's very possible. But I've looked at her at length. You find her attractive. Oh, yeah. See, I don't. Mm-hmm. And she's very mousy and kind of plain. Yeah, that's interesting that people like wrote like really like um big boned women. I just never understood. Oh, I do like a healthy thick. That's woman. what I'm saying. Yeah. Thick and thick yeah. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And listen, that's the that is the majority these days. Meaning most guys like yeah. thick. Um, I don't. That's all right. Because here's what I know. You know what that means? Um, We're not competing. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Now, <laughs> what I'll say is this: when I was a kid, and there was there was a hierarchy in school, right? So think about like um, I grew up right in the middle of the John Hughes era. So if, you know, I mean, not that like you know, Breakfast Club is a, a you know documentary, but let's say that is the era, and it is, and. Let's say that there was the, and where I grew up, the jaw, it's funny nowadays. And, and again, you got a, a boy who's a son who's 14? For, 14 uh, Saturday. Pretty good baseball player. Pretty solid. Uh, like border, like potential D1, realistically? I don't know. I mean, he's, you, he's on, a kid. Potentially. I, I, yeah, he's, he's got some potential. But like D3, if he wants to play D3, he's going to be able to. I think so. To. Okay. And which, again, there's a beauty in that because it's, it's really, I mean, sometimes they, they help you know, with grants or whatever, but typically sure. there's not, there's not scholarships at that level. Right. So, um, so they're doing it for the love. Yeah. Okay. So nowadays it feels like jo- there isn't even such a thing as jocks in big cities. Almost. It's like, there's such a small percentage in the cities tend to play sports. It's almost like in, I grew up, there were 72 kids in my graduating class. How many were in yours? Little, little over 900. And that was in, not Houston. Austin, Houston. Okay. So, and then you went to Austin. Okay. And when you were in the service, where were you stationed? Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. Okay. So you were close. So, now, is that northern or southern Kentucky? It's Kentucky-Tennessee border. Okay. So if you drew, drew uh, Cincinnati, how far away was it? Three hours. Okay. I was okay. an hour from Nashville. Oh, ooh. So would you guys go there for the weekend? Regularly. There's a there's a movie River Phoenix's last movie called no no it was set in Nashville it's not called Nashville which is a Robert Altman movie which is amazing um, one of the great movies of all time but uh, the movie that River Phoenix was in that I think was the last one can you look that up please the thing called Love 1993 yeah is that the last movie of his yeah so he he's playing like a young like loud, loud you know he was a good looking guy. Uh, he, he OD'd right after this, and he was all smacked out in the movie. It's very evident. But he's like this genius, you know, everyone's on the scene hustling and bustling, and he's like doing his own thing. You know, I don't think any actors wanted to necessarily act, but though if you look at Joaquin Phoenix, who's become one of the great actors of the era, River Phoenix was considered to be far and away better than his brother. Now, I don't know if he would have ended up being... But I've once talked about the... Uh, he was better looking, so he was better as a young actor. He was certainly better looking. Um, he was in Stand By Me. Mm-hmm. He played the main, you know, the kind of the cool kid there. And uh, he was really good, really good in Running on Empty, which I've talked about 
on this pod. And it's a movie it doesn't play hardly at all anymore. I don't think I've ever seen it. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun one. It's about, um, it was set in like 1986, and it was contemporaneous. And he was with a family that blew up a bank as part of like the national resistance against Vietnam. So they were, you know, righteous in their own minds at minimum. They blew up a bank at like midnight, but there was a guard there that no one expected to be there. And the guard got, I think, blinded is the way they did it. So they've been on the run ever since. But River Phoenix started on the run when he was like five, but now he's like, you know, 16, 17. And he wants to go to Juilliard. He's like a great musician. And it's a battle because they, they have to move like every six months. Like at a certain point, it's no, you know, they, they feel the heat and you got to leave right there. That's the discipline. And they were gone. Go, now he's like, he's in a, getting to be an adult and he wants to settle down. And it's a battle between him and his dad. It's a great movie. But River Phoenix, Nashville. And you say all this to avoid telling me where you have Joe Burrow. No, no, because we got to talk about the whole thing about being a youngster or in high school, and there's a hierarchy and there's jocks, right? Mm -hmm. And the jock, you know, in the 72, like 25 played football, right? And in 72, I think it was 30, you know, I don't know if it was 36 exactly, but like 25 out of 36 boys or something that would play football, right? Or maybe half. Okay, so you had your football players and the non-football players. Now, there could be... Like if you were like in a rock band or something, you might be able to transcend that. But otherwise, all the best looking girls went to all the football players and then the next tier. And, and let me tell you, the big bone girls, the room, you know, the husky section where I used to shop at Sears with my mom, I didn't want to. I could have squeezed in the, no, but no, no husky. But anyway, it doesn't bother me. <clears throat> So I look at the girls on Instagram that people think are thick and hot, and I'm like, that's who, like, the guy in the band would have been going to the prom with. So it's like, I just can't get out of Times my have head. changed. No, they haven't, though. They have. Like, it's, we're wired by, like, a million years of Darwinism to want what we want. We want health, right? I mean, there's a reason that no matter if it's Marilyn Monroe or Kate Moss, there's, like, a, a golden ratio of hips to breasts, there's symmetry in the face. And by no, by, in my opinion, a lot of those Instagram hotties or, or baddies as they're called, I think, have no, I have no connection to any, any mathematical formula of beauty. Interesting. There's this implication that they're going to do something really nasty. Is that it? Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I think there's some people who value. Blubber? Uh, TNA over but again if that were the case name me the name me the super hot Kate Upton okay. as a, a, a superstar a model who is not a skinny girl I agree that she's not skinny skinny but Kate Upton and I've done a personal study on this right it's probably been five years on Kate Upton but and I don't know she might have put on weight after but when she was dating Verlander right mm -hmm. she would have been married now Oh, they're married. Okay. She would have been by far, no one on earth would have said she's fat or she, she got to lose some weight. She certainly wasn't real. You know, she wasn't right. eating salad. So it goes to show you the fact Kate Upton's the one you point to, right? You look at like Melissa McCarthy. You look at. You oh, know, now that's a different level. That's not healthy it, it, thick anymore. So healthy. Is that a term? Healthy thick is a term. Did you just sir? make that up? No, that's a real term. I don't think people on Instagram is worried about healthy. 
I really so that's what confuses me. Who says that? I, I think thick, healthy. Mackenzie's thick off like... probation. Did you say you ever hear healthy thick? I've not heard that. I have heard slim thick is popular. That's different. That is different. That's saying that it's all in the hips. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. A slim thick I could almost deal with. I, I like a little meat on a lady. I know that. We've got that point. No, there's no confusion yeah. there. But do you see my point? Who is the hottest girl? If we would say the five hottest girls by consensus. Each of the years since 19... Do you find do you find Adele attractive? I don't think I know her. Okay. I know that Hillary Clinton... Can you, can you put up a yeah, picture of Adele, Adele on the... Now uh, that I think about it, I think I do and not even close. Okay. God, no. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, she, because she's face, too big? She lo- it's even in her face. Well, I'm talking about her body. Like, well, uh, but what I'm saying is her face looks like that because... First off, listen. She's better looking than me. I don't even know. But, but what I'm saying is I don't, I'm not even trying – I don't even want to make it about any individual person. I want to make it about body type. And you know what? If you like the, you, know, you or anyone, I think it's the most wonderful thing in the world. But here's what I know. When I was growing up, there were a lot of guys that were, let's say, mid-level, and they'd pull mid-level girls, and they said, no, I like it that way. And it was like – Whenever they had a chance at a higher level girl, in my opinion, they would like walk 500 miles and then walk 500 more. So <laughs> I saw it as a hypocrisy. I think if you like, I mean, listen, I don't look at guys and think, oh, he's good looking. Though I know River Phoenix was good looking, mm-hmm. but I can see that if a gay guy likes a certain type of guy, I'm not going to tell him he's wrong. Well, just because it's the same in theory sexuality, I don't think it's any more wrong to like a Dow or like thick, slim, slim, thick, healthy, unhealthy, sick. I could see sick, fatty, <laughs> slick, or fit. Pull up, ke- pull up Kelly Brook, Mackenzie. She I seems see. r- big. I mean, she's not you skinny. Said Brooke like has four syllables and B-O-O-O-O. Oh, my God. You're kidding me. The, put the one up on the far right. Holy cow, she is. Dude, that put, has put to be. No, no, stop, stop. Look at that one. Look at that one. So if you want to search, go to Google. Hold on, Kelly. Now, why would you look at the one with the most clothes? Why would you interrupt me? (laughs) Kelly, I'm trying to help the audience. I am, too. I'm trying to help you. I'm not the audience. Kelly Brook, and then there's one from The Mirror, and it says, Kelly Brook smiles in this sunshine without fiancé, who's done gone. I think she ate him. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) What? (laughs) That's a joke. Uh, sure. Is that, that's out of bounds. No. <laughs> but honestly, that's that's what you like, right? I like that, yeah. Okay, that was AJ's time at pregame dog. <laughs> <laughs> Mackenzie, what did you think of that? That picture's pretty hot to me. She's she's nice. Eight. See, you know what's fun? She ate what? <laughs> she is an eight. Eight point five. Four. F- <laughs> four minus eight. Listen. Listen, like in that Photoshop when she looks all right. <laughs> what about that one with her and her boyfriend on the rock? Is that what they call it? I mean, it's a rock. Oh, I thought you were talking about something else. <sighs> you don't like that. Here's the thing. Too much cushion for you. Here's the thing. That's a lead into saying something. Is <laughs> I have found uh, heavier set women attractive if they have true, genuine confidence. In a weird way, I've had, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, about three nights in my life that I've probably, well, not probably, that I 
spent time with such a woman. And they always had this confidence because here's what I found. Even if a girl is generally thin and she puts on five pounds, sexually, she's so like worried about covering herself up. If she's in a certain position, she's worried about her belly. If she's in the other position, she's worried about her butt. You know about that, right? You've been with everyone. That is, to me, the least, I mean, confidence is sexy to me. So if a girl, like to me, maybe I'm conflating the lack of confidence that I would say a majority of heavier girls have, because almost every girl's on a diet perpetually. Yeah. So they're thinking about their weight nonstop. So if someone's heavier, if they can somehow trump that and have like a distortion field to say, no, like, like, it's weird to think this, but the girl who was uh, in the LeBron movie um, that's heavy set, uh, the, she's a comedian, blonde hair, funny. Oh, Amy God. Schumer? Yes, Amy Schumer. Why'd you say Amy Schumer like you were like, he couldn't be talking about Amy Schumer? Oh, I didn't mean to say it in any way. I just, it came to my mind, so I thought I'd say it. Correct. You know Amy Schumer, I right? do. She's she, very confident. She's, I don't know if she is for real, but in the movie where she played like the one that got insane confidence when she was doing business, I found her much more attractive. Really? Yeah. So there, maybe that's what it is. Now a girl, a girl wouldn't wear that swimsuit if she wasn't confident. No, no, no. You can tell by the way she's got her stomach sucked in. She is thinking about her body nonstop in that outfit. And there's something about a thin girl that 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 they are like a. In, in a way, that's what I find. And here's the funny thing: they've talked about this um, in some movie where it was like um, ugly. Ugly, affable. I mean, they might have said the whole word. But, like, there's guy, the Keith Richards, right? Even if Keith Richards, forget thin or fat, he's, you know, not a, a, an attractive fellow right. by, like, standards of models or whatever. But even if he wasn't in the Stones, he would have, you know, done great. Mick, same thing. Well, they're just confident, right? And to me, girls love confidence. And I guys don't really care as much because a lot of guys are thinking, oh, she's – She's insecure. I can take advantage of that. That's how they think, right? To me, I like it because it makes me think there's something worth having there. If someone is down on themselves, why do I want to possess them? Or not possess them as much, though, I guess if it's a marriage or something. Sure. But, but why would I value it if they don't value themselves? Now, people who are down on themselves, I actually tend to befriend and, and, and will try to be you know, like if I think they're nice, yeah. I'll try to, you know, help them talk give, themselves give them a up because I do have irrational exuberance sometimes. <laughs> and I would make the case and we tell the truth here. Spencer, you're someone that has some self-doubt. Absolutely. And all joking aside, how would you characterize how I've been with you in that regard? No, amazing. You really do try to, uh, you know, give me that confidence. I appreciate that. And it's not just like uh, I don't raw raw. Yeah. Right. It's like I tend to say, hey, you're, you know, what are you, 24 now? I'm 24. Yeah. I'll say, hey, here's what's coming here. Here's what's coming here. You know, I would say it's, it's thought out, right? Yeah. You really try to get to the root of, you know, what it is and really. The, 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 you can stop kissing his ass now, Spencer. No, no, no. He just, I know it bothers you. But, but we just, I, I mean, did for sure we didn't plan that, did we? No, for sure. That's scripted. 100%. He's reading from a piece of paper. You want to tell the, tell the, say the truth now? But, hey, <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing. This, as you're thinking about it, this will tell you what comes to you if you keep lying. Mr. Shapiro, Mr. Cochran, Mr. Douglas, Mr. Kardashian, Mr. Bailey. You want to tell the truth now? I do not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't apologize to take care of my family. 
I think he like he's saying he likes a big girl with confidence. McKenzie, do you think he'd like Lizzo? Whoa, Lizzo. I've never heard it. What's her story? She is a music artist. Okay. Who's extremely confident. Now, how does she convey that? Via song and via her clothing choices. Now, does it seem like that she's doing that to cover up a deep insecurity or does it seem authentic? No, I think she's authentically confident, I guess is the word. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Now, the funny thing is this could be like an Andy Kaufman-esque level of like uh, a long-form... Self-deprecation? It's pretty uh, hardcore. No, no, I don't think it's self-deprecation. I think she's trying to put a mirror up to society. Okay. Right? And say how you respond to me is, t- is saying something. It's an interesting... But she's confident. You like that. It's an interesting concept. Yeah. So there's limits. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I tell you this, I'd have 50 times more interest hanging out with her. And when I told you there's limits after healthy thick, there's limits on that too. Like she passes the limit. That's beyond what I'm I comfortable with. I wasn't saying there wasn't limits. I'm saying the fact your limits need to move way in. But, <laughs> but, but again, I think what we've arrived at here is for me, it's about confidence until it's about health. If it's about how we don't want people to hurt. No, I do think to some degree, and I'll say, I don't know. Let me ask you this. And I, I just, you know, I'm just trying to be honest here. Do you find that women who are on the border of, let's say, being of a weight that you're comfortable with, and you've been married for a long time now. Mm. How long? Uh, 13 years, now, 14 years. Are you faithful? Yeah. You guys don't have like once a month? No, there's don't no, ask, no, don't no, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, it's a modern, you know. No, it ain't that modern. Have you heard of ethical non-monogamy? No. Very big thing sweeping around. No, it's not not around my house. <laughs> Has it swept through that? Nope. house? No. That's funny. Your, your wife's a, a very um, impressive. You know, she's got her way about it. Like, she, initially, she comes off like you might think, oh, okay. Like, she's got a successful husband. She's a little, you know. But it's like you can tell that it's coming from a place of her confidence and talent. And, uh, yeah, I can see it. I can see it. I haven't seen you cowed before, but, you know, like almost scared right now. (laughs) But what I would say is this. Back in the day, you probably had some experiences that were on the borderline, right? Where it was like, you know, I had that fourth beer. eh, She passes. Uh, There's one one time. One time? Literally one time in my life that I did something with a woman and was like. And it was guys the rest? (laughs) Oh. But I was like, oh, man, that, that was probably a bad move But what by I'm me. saying is there's times you've looked and looked, moved your eye a little bit and thought, right? And, geez, this is every person on earth has had this experience. Yeah, oh, I'm telling you, I did. All right, but just one time. Just one time. So every other time you went home with someone, every other time it was a, a slam dunk. Well, I woke up and didn't feel at least, I, I didn't feel embarrassed, I'm, t- I'm talking about the, the, not the after-the-fact shame. That's, your, that's a whole different thing. Okay. We're talking about before as you're contemplating yesterday. Did I move my line to say, okay, yes. she can work? Oh, of course. Okay. And some of the times it was about weight. Yeah, probably. Okay. Wouldn't you say that in almost every instance of that, that the 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 woman, the girl or the woman in clothes looks better than out of clothes? Um the the, the limitate or the the problems that spring up, that spill out from That's excess probably weight. fair. That's probably fair. So I, when I had that experience once, it kind of solidified my position. Okay, that's fair. But you know what? 
I mean, I've lost some weight recently, but I've had an extra 15 my whole freaking life. Like Husky, from age eight, I probably was like, I'd like to lose about five pounds. And you know what? It's been pretty much 99% of my life. Maybe I like what I ain't. That could be it. Right? But I like smart girls. Oh, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Your wife's Edit, edit, edit. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. <laughs>